0: Episode 35 of Gaming and BS, sponsored by DarkTheater.net, home of the character Folio. All right, welcome to Gaming and BS. I am one of your co-host Sean and I'm Brett welcome back folks and just as an intro for people that haven't listened we are a podcast where we talk about tabletop role-playing games and other miscellaneous topics of gaming and geekery thanks for joining us let's hop into it shall we
1: I think we should let's get going
0: announcements
1: Yes. Um, by the time this drops, we're we were we are recording this on Mother's Day, and by the time this drops on Tuesday, upcoming, will be late. But <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to say, hey, thank you to all the mothers out there, put up with all of us, and uh, for all those gaming moms out there, salute. Really cool, you guys are able to balance the whole mom thing and do the gaming thing. And uh, for those out there who've got wives that are moms and aren't big gamers, my wife games occasionally, but she. Uh, she lets me get out and uh, game with my buddies and hang out and do stuff like this. So I got to say thank you again. So happy Mother's Day to everybody out there.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, one other and uh, another announcement.
1: Yeah, the other one I wanted to talk about was just remind folks about Gamehole Con. They have their uh, design contest. It's the Rodneys. It's the, it's the award uh, that they're giving out there. I've got the link in the show notes. Go to GameholeCon.com forward slash events, forward slash Rodney's R O D N E Y S again, link in the notes, but take a look at that. If you're interested, there's lots of cool stuff in there. You can submit ahead of the con, uh, go in, read the rules, check it out. I've got a couple different things. I might, um, I've scribbled together over the years. I might try to pull something out and slide a little, uh, slide a little, uh, something, something over there myself and see if I can maybe pull off a win. But anyway, I think it's cool. I, uh, if you're into game design, you want to you want to check this out. It's an opportunity to win some cash and uh, get noted. So cool stuff!
0: Yeah, so there you have it. Good good deal. All right, let's go into random encounter. Let's sounds just, good. We're, bam bam. Random encounter where we field emails, uh, posts from social media on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, um, voicemails if we get them. This week, uh, we want to thank first of all iTunes reviewist Stray Geologist for the review. Whoever you are, you masked masked person, you
1: bloody geologist running strays. I'll put a tag on that guy.
0: No. <laughs> so if you are Stray Geologist, thank you, whoever you may be. Mer- merch appreciated. Absolutely. And then
1: Eric Bontz commented through our Google Plus community, heard about us through the misdirected Mark boys. As a stray geologist had mentioned the same, I'm now wondering, are Mr. Eric Bontz and stray geologist perhaps the same gamer? I haven't oh. yet to see both of them in a room at the same time together. Mm. These This could be possible. Although I guess a quick click over to Eric Bontz's uh, Google Plus um, page would tell me if he has a Twitter account that happens to say stray geologist on it. But – I don't feel like doing that much research right now, so I will live in the uh, in the uh, uh, fantasy world here that they're the same, one and the same. So, anyway, cool, Eric. Thank you much. Glad to have uh, the misdirected Mark boys on our side, uh, kind of hitting the show out there too. So, thank you all.
0: Yeah, we'll give Phil and Chris some love. We haven't mentioned their podcast in a while. If you like this podcast, check them out. Uh, they're a little bit more. Structured. We've always said that. I think they just have a, a, I don't know, they, I don't know what it is. They're just different,
1: but not as well. They're they're more organized and uh, they'll dig into some different um, kind of tactical components, you know, dissecting a rules piece or looking at some of that stuff, which is really cool. And Sean and I just haven't gone into that very much. And they've got, I like their insights, I like their banter. It's good stuff. So I'm really pleased to going to hang out and partner up with those guys on occasion. So it's pretty cool. You like us? like them?
0: Yeah. They're good people. So check them out. Misdirected Mark. Now, oh my goodness. Excuse me. Gee whiz. Um, I must say that they do have a few different feeds on their website. Um, and I think they have a few different shows. So if you get their main one, you're going to get like three of their different shows. Um, so something to be aware of, they, I think they have one for the one that Phil and Chris does, which is the one we're talking about, which is, I think, misdirected Mark. The other ones are more, uh, their show under like the misdirected Mark network, I believe. Correct. So, yeah.
1: I mean, misdirected Mark itself, that stream there were, I think they're on episode 153, 154. So yeah. if you see them up in the 150s, you know, you're in the right zone. Yeah. Cool. The other piece I had was uh, <clears throat> Sean, a while back, was able to get on his uh, Beamer and take a cycle ride down to Noble Knight Games here in Janesville, Wisconsin, which is always cool. I had not ever been down there. And Sean had come back and said, hey, it's not quite what I remember it to be, but, hey, we got a good weekend coming up, so we organized a ride between us and cruised down yesterday, Saturday, and uh, spent the day on the road, got down to Noble Knight. They have a tremendous selection within the warehouses and such, but their actual shop itself, the storefront's pretty small. It's still pretty cool. How the best part, though, was walking through, we see this little bitty dude just begging to be, you know, somebody please take me home. So we picked up our little Ewok and we said, you know what, dude, you're coming home with us. Yeah. And I think we, we named him Wayne because when every time I see Star Wars, anything, I think Wayne Humphrey.
0: Well, I think... Out of all the gibberish that he he was saying, I think he said his name was Wayne. I'm not quite sure. This, is, so he's sitting on my shoulder. I don't know. <laughs> he's crazy. He
1: is. Hold so on. we got a little. We got we got Wayne. He hangs out with us now.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, look. Yep. Not, not, not you. There he goes. Nooper, nooper yeah. He 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 gets on a tirade and he won't shut up so Wayne. Yeah. We're recording here. Yeah.
1: Dude, just dude. All
0: right, Wayne Wayne. Wayne Wayne, 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 <laughs> Wayne calm down. Throw him a stormtrooper. Right, calm down. Calm down, Wayne. Alright, I had to I had to get him out of the room quick.
1: Just give him a stormtrooper again. He just gnaws on those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Wayne. He so we took him out, and uh, if you haven't seen some of the pictures of Wayne, he's on Google Plus, and uh, he's he's crashing at my place right now. I don't know. He's he's kind of freeloading. I'm not sure what his deal is, and he won't. He kind of he kind of won't leave. But
1: he promised he'd kick in for for vittles at some point. We'll see he, if that ever
0: happens. That's what he says, but I don't know, man. He bought us like one round on Saturday, and then you know I don't know if he's got a lot of money. Yeah, we'll find out. I know he doesn't have a job because he dude's hanging out at Noble night in Janesville.
1: Yeah, but you're the recruiter guy. You you talk jobs with him, so.
0: He doesn't sound like he has a lot of promise.
1: <laughs> not a lot of promise. I'm sure you want to uh, well, get involved in that one.
0: We've been talking since he's been here, and uh, he, he doesn't, uh, it, it may just be me, but I don't know if he has a lot of ambition. Possible. Well, anyways, yeah.
1: Ewoks are not noted to be overly ambitious.
0: Uh, I may. All right. I may pull up Google Maps and inadvertently put down where Brett's house is. And if Wayne finds it, well, I don't know.
1: Great. One more mouth to feed. That's right. That's what I need. I got five kids and an Ewok and a dog. That's what I need.
0: All right. Moving on from Wayne. Um, Mo, yeah. Mo comments a lot. Thanks, Mo. The- he is the gangster of love in Windsor, the
1: Canadian gaming god.
0: He says on Twitter from our last, because um, we are not from Windsor, nor have we mentioned it before. But he says, "Um, but you're you know you may not be from Windsor or have you ever been here, but you are welcome anytime." Oh, thank you, Mo. So he went on to say something about like a, a lot of strip clubs up there per capita. <laughs> He did. I'm not lying. He said this on Twitter, and I'm like, I didn't didn't respond because that's not what it takes for me to get to a town, by the way. Yes, it is. No. He's lying. No, it's not. (laughs) It's making it rain, boys. All right. uh, Warning. Here's a long one from Mo. Off of Google+, Plus. time tracking, age penalties, and birthdays. Going back to my University of Windsor days, I used to run AD&D second edition campaign in my own game world. The game ran over five years, and players would drop in and out as time went on. It wasn't a steady group. For that time, I had my own campaign, campaign world. well, not quite my own, the players were very involved in creating the world as well. They offered as much or more input than I did. Part of our creation was a full calendar, which I think we mainly made because I got a cool new ChessX D30. We used to have everyone roll up their character's birthday along with birthdays we also had. Uh, along. Oh, my God. We used to have everyone roll up their character's birthday. Along with birthdays, we also had holidays, religious events, etc. We tracked time day by day. I used some software on my Amiga, oh my god, to print up an actual calendar based on our game world calendar, and we would X off days as they went by in-game. Characters' birthdays were all celebrated. They were often parties and had the other characters, uh, and had, often parties had, and the other characters would often gift Magic items to characters celebrating, characters oh, neat. characters aged as the game went on, and yes, we did use the aging penalties. We even had two characters die of old age in that campaign. Wow, that's a treat there. I don't think I've ever. How'd your character die? Wow. Old age. He just got old. Oh, so he was like a spell cast on him, and he aged and he died. No, just no. He just he just turned seventy and he croaked. Croaked. <laughs> <laughs> neat. Uh, another real, real cool thing that happened in the anniversary. In, is that the anniversary of things that the players did started to be celebrated became in game holidays. For example, the first campaign I ran in the world started with the world being run by orcs. They were the dominant species in the game. The humans were just trying to survive. The first group of PCs were responsible for taking down one of the orc capitals and founded the first human city. The day of freedom was added to the calendar. Later games, as time went by where we always celebrated the day of freedom became the largest human holiday in the game world. By the end of the campaign, it became the new New Year's celebration, and the calendar shifted to now start on that date, a date set by the first group of PCs to play in the world.
1: Very cool. That's yeah. one of those neat things that you get to do. I mean, you can do with a with a, um, a purchase game world, the Realms, Greyhawk, Eberron, whatever in the heck you happen to, to be playing in. You can mess with the calendar or whatever, but in the homebrew, it's really cool because not only then am I creating it as the game master, but then when Sean and the crew do something really neat like that, they found a city, they do something massive, epic, cool, amazing thing, you drop a holiday on it. And then if you're doing the calendar thing like we talked about last time and you track that through, hey, this is the time, this has now been a year in game since that time. When Sean and the other guys led that crusade and, and conquered the city, remember that? Oh yeah, hell, that was a great time. Get Double gamer war story. Grab a beer, you know, toast it up, and move on. It's
0: it's a cool thing to have. Indeed, very neat. Moving on, Chad Knight writes, Chad, what the hell? You guys are not on Wikipedia. I was disillusioned that when I went to see all about my favorite podcast people and there was nothing. I sat here hoping that it would magically appear. I hit the refresh button like a million times. After I did that for like 10 hours straight, I fell asleep. After a period of unconsciousness, I continued hitting the refresh button like 17 more hours. Still nothing. I am now thinking about what the point is, what the point in living is. I mean, no gaming and BS on Wikipedia. I now wonder if you truly exist or if I'm just losing my mind and imagining the wonderful podcasts. I mean, everyone everyone knows that if you're not on Wikipedia, then you really don't exist. Please fix this, Sean Kelly. And if you don't, I might hire a certain co-host of yours to Bangkok you super hard. I know Brett B will do it for $1.50. So just do it, Sean. Damn it. I just hit the refresh button and it still isn't there. Hurry up, Sean. Uh, Good first, lord! First of all, I want to say I don't know what Bangkok is, and frankly, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm kind
1: of kind of disturbed. A little. I'm a little interested, and I'm kind of afraid. So,
0: secondly, I told Chad online. I'm like, dude, it's out at bad. It's bad taste to edit your own Wikipedia. So I told him, get off your butt and go ahead and submit us to Wikipedia.
1: I think the problem was the last two people who did put something in, we, it was kicked out for being far too mythological and uh, epic in scope. They just uh, re- just refused to print it. I think
0: that's what happens. Well, that's true, too. It does have to be kind of factual.
1: I know. Well, and not <laughs> to mention. Which is ma- like two lines. Sean and Brett live in Wisconsin. They're totally a full of shit and talk about it.
0: <laughs> not to mention, are we really, are we really talking on a podcast and is Chad really listening to it?
1: Yeah, see I've haven't, I haven't seen Chad in a while in person, so I'm not even sure he's where he claims to be either.
0: Chad, if oh, you well. if you hear this, this is not a podcast. This,
1: this is, is not your, the podcast. This is not the podcast you're listening to. This is
0: your conscious speaking, Chad. You should get your checkbook out and write a check for a million dollars and address it to Sean Kelly and sign it. Put it in an envelope. We will talk. He will he will call you. In the near future and provide an address to send that check to very good moving on Brian I'll say Brian K because I don't know if he wants us to mention his last name nonetheless you forgot to mention the James Bond RPG which is a great system this is when we did espionage a couple of episodes ago Enjoyed the episode and how it felt like you were sharing a look under the hood about planning a campaign. I think it is important to identify the type of game style you are going for, or else you will have a bunch of characters that cancel cancel each other out. The shadow being ratted out by by the assault rifle, packing operator, and the like. Coming in with the information will help the players get the feeling for the game you are trying to set up.
1: I think that's true. We talked about... Various different uh, ways to do espionage RPGs or different flavors of the RP- of the espionage story types. You know, high action, you know, Spyro came in from the cold, that type of thing. If you don't take the time to tell your players, hey, I'm looking to do, you know, Smiley's people. Oh, I get it. Low action, more, you know, smoke and mirrors, you know, behind the scenes, talky-talky thing, not a lot of shooting. Okay, good then you don't have somebody show up with the the (laughs) guy with assault rifle and uh, dark vision goggles and everything else going, come on, let me shoot some 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 bitches, you know. That way you don't get that clash, or you hopefully won't. And you have an opportunity then to look at the player who made the character that doesn't fit and say, dude, the hell, that doesn't fit. Back to the drawing board with you.
0: Yeah, expectations, always good in RPGs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jinx. Okay, Jason, Jason... On YouTube. What? Thanks for the insights. Dig the podcast. You have given me the encouragement to kill my first player. I mean character. Really, I totally meant character. Really. <laughs> Whatever, Jason.
1: <laughs> Whatever, Jason. If you need an alibi, just just let Sean and I know. Yeah, we'll, let, yeah uh, you were with us. You let, were with a you know, you, me.
0: Let let, no. Brett, let Brett know. Clean. I, know, I don't. We got it covered. Let Brett know. I don't do. I don't do well in front of juries.
1: I do fine. I'm fine.
0: Yeah, we're good. Brett's a sociopath. He's not a problem. High functioning. Mo trying nights black agents. Mo, if I have to mention, hey, if we mention Mo's name, drink. And if we've mentioned him three times, you're 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 behind. Drink three more. Mo, exactly. tr- he's trying but nights black agents. Adam Day, thanks Adam. Uh, says, uh, asks if he's been listening to too much GBS. So thanks, Adam. And awesome. and and we won't say. I mean, Mo doesn't outright say that he bought and is trying Knights Black agents. One of the another person's running it for him. But you know, hey, uh, who knows? I don't know. You never know. Subliminal. Well, it's either
1: us or uh, Phil Vecchione from Mister Director Mark. He's one of the other guys, right. big on the uh, on the Knights Black agents. He's got uh, a little bit of running commentary on some of the later shows.
0: Yeah. So. so thanks for all your comments, uh, on G plus Facebook, uh, Twitter and emails, much appreciated. Keep them coming. We'll, we'll get through as many as we can. Uh, unfortunately we can't go th- through every single post, but I, I pick out as many as I can and then make sure it gets right on air.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's really cool just to see what people, I mean, like, um, even Chad going a little off rails there. I think we need to uh, get we need to get him some better beer. I think is what he needs. Is that, um, what, but, is that what it is? <laughs> maybe I don't know. Could be into the Blats. Might have to might have mm. to pull him back. Ooh. That that does happen periodically. Wow. <clears throat> but you know, Mo's talking about his University of Windsor days in that second edition AD&D campaign. That type of those gamer stories are really cool. I know sometimes people get tired of the, the Gamer War stories, as they're sometimes called. But I tell you, man, that that's showing you this thing. It can be done. It can be done with really good results. Or even the Gamer War story of, yeah, we tried that and six players died <laughs> or characters died or whatever the case is. It just didn't work at all. Please, God, don't do that. I tried that before type of thing. So there's a, something very cool about hands-on information. Yeah. Very good stuff.
0: Indeed. Let's go to our sponsor. Edit. Edit. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com.
1: Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you.
0: Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website grayed out. That's g r e y e d o u t. Etsy. dot com. All right. Main topic of discussion is left up to the guy that's across from me. His name is Brett.
1: Yes. So, once again, to uh, to talk about our buddies over at Misdirected Mark on episode one fifty three. Of their lovely podcast, they were talking about death mechanics in RPGs, um, <clears throat> you know, what it takes to kill a character and so forth. If you're interested in their perspective there, hit it up, episode 153.
0: A sword. Um, what was that? A sword. That's a what sword? It, That's yeah. what it takes to kill an NPC. That's what it takes to kill a character. <laughs> yeah. Sword right through the uh, goddamn uh, head. Fucking hammer. Arm. Hammer will work.
1: Hammer. Yeah. Dragons, things like that. Yeah.
0: Breath weapon. Are they we <laughs> really looking for a list or...
1: No, no, no! It was um, they were talking about the mechanics.
0: Of, oh, you know, oh, oh, Things
1: like you know, because I mean,
0: say. they got I mean, if they've been playing that long and they're asking that question now, I mean, I don't know what the hell's going was, on. What the hell's going listen, on over I there? Do, I
1: not do I will not do the entire discussion justice. So <laughs> honestly, listen to them; they're going to do a hell of a lot better. Arrow. Arrows,
0: about. arrows do it too.
1: Arrow, arrows, arrows, arrows will do it too. Yes, mechanically speaking, if you fall down an elevator shaft, you land on some bullets that will kill you.
0: Pissed off people.
1: <laughs> exactly. They will so, kill you. but when I heard him talking about, when I hear about death in games, one of the things that came to my mind were dead games. And we got some buddies, or I should say, I've met some guys through Sean. Sean knows these dudes better than I do from the Dead Game Society. And <clears throat> Sean and I have talked about this before. <laughs> offline. And when I was talking to Michael Brown at game hole last year, we were talking about our, our mutual love. He's one of the dead games dudes. We're talking about mutual love for those games that are, are dead. And by that I'm talking about, it's no longer in print and or unsupported. It's a game that perhaps uh, is still being run, but there hasn't been a supplement. There's nothing new and intriguing. The website from that game company is, you know, not really active. It's essentially dead. Nothing's going on. Somebody,
0: somebody might've stabbed it with a sword.
1: Or arrows or, arrow, or
0: something or, yeah. or breath weapon or, or something. I'm, I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> there's something really cool, though, to me. And um, I'm a collector, right? <laughs> so I go through and I've got uh role master role master Middle Earth role playing powers and perils. Um, R.I. Canticle of the Monomyth Rune, which is an old uh, game that Robin lost did ages back. The there's something really cool about having Star Frontiers, all sorts of shit, having these games that are no longer made, right, <clears throat> that you've got them. And there's a way you can go and you can say, look, I'm going to get everything, all the core books for X game that is no longer made, finding finding them in a PDF if they've been put out there or go to a used bookstore or finding them wherever. You can hit the limit, right? You, you can go in and usually grab some of those older games that are dead. And, you know, have a stack of books less than a foot thick. Where, if, like, nowadays, if you were to say, hey, I want everything, I want to collect all the Pathfinder books that Paizo puts out, holy shit, that's a lot of stuff. I'm not even talking adventures and so forth, just the ultimates and the different spell compendiums and all that other crap. So, Sean and I have talked about kind of what our favorite dead games are. And one of the ones we've talked about before was, like, you know, Top Secret or Top Secret SI and some of those Um for me, my favorite dead game is Merp, Middle-Earth Role-Playing, that um, the Iron Crown came out with. I, that was the first role-playing game that I mastered as a game master. That was my game for a long time, so that was the one I cut a lot of my GMing teeth on. I really, really like that one. I, granted, I grew up playing other games, but that was the one I really took to be my game and mastered from a GM perspective. I had a lot of fun with it. Sean, is there a particular dead game that you have in your collection or that you really like or have fond memories
0: of? Uh, i i haven't played i haven't played any dead games for a while. Well, me uh, maybe kind of sorta. I have. I don't know how. So when I think I hear dead games, um, it's usually the old stuff, like old old. I have three. Four, I think I got rid of my three five stuff, um. But I mean, even Spycraft first edition is D twenty. Some people may not think that that is a dead game. It is. So the Dead Game Society guys, they qualify a dead game if it's no longer in print. But those guys run Call of Cthulhu, but they will run 6th edition or 5th edition.
1: Because that's no longer in print.
0: Because that's no longer in print. But Michael, who's a member of the Dead Games Society, says that that doesn't really count because that's, Cause it's still like the call of Cthulhu is still in print. So to him, it's not, it would, you know, and that's kind of wacky. Cause I don't think he can make the same argument for D and D, right? If you play first edition, a D and D.
1: Well, the differences between fifth and sixth and seventh edition call of Cthulhu in my experiences are minimal. First edition, a D and D to second edition, a D and D are actually pretty substantial in my opinion. And then from second to third and and so on.
0: Yeah, so so I, I think Yeah.
1: So I'm I'm with I'm with Michael on the on that a well, little bit. It's kinda like,
0: hey, I play three I play three five or I play three oh because it's dead, but there's three five out.
1: Yeah, there's a weird there's a piece that goes with the whole Grognard perspective, right? And some of the cool Lust I have for playing the older dead games is I get to say, I played. Oh yeah, I remember Boot Hill. I played Boot Hill, wow. original box. Blah, blah blah. No, I haven't done that. Well, I was gonna I'm saying,
0: say you're you're
1: old, but if you've, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but you know, when I say yeah, I, I play Star Star Frontiers. I still have my game, and I'd run a Star Frontiers game right now. You guys want to play? Sure. There's something really cool about saying, hey, I've I've played that game, that in some way laid a foundation. In one way or another for something else, like people that played old school champions, (coughs) excuse me, or even the old um, Marvel superheroes game back in the day that TSR put out. It's old. It's dead. And when you go to game conventions, you have these opportunities where people are running these dead games, you know, where they're running Top Secret, Top Secret SI, James Bond 007. Um, They don't make them anymore. But there's still a solid fan base or at least a base of guys like you and I, Sean, men and women that have said, you know what? I remember playing that. I had a good time. I'm going to go to a con and see are any of those old games I used to play out there anywhere for me to get into.
0: I never answered your question. No, I don't really play too many dead games. I uh, the most recent would have been Spycraft in at Gary Con uh, Spycraft version one. Um why? Why, man? Why don't
1: you play some dead games? I don't Do you like the do you like the material you like the fact that there's newer material, more accessible? Because that's a that's a potential downside to a game, right? If you pick something like a uh, Middle Earth role-playing, if I say, hey, I've got it, unless I happen to have a couple copies of the rule book, which I happen to have, it could be not as easily accessible at the table for some folks because they have no way to really grab the data. And do any research or make characters or anything?
0: I take that back. I played Traveler at Gary at G- uh, Gary Game Hole at Game Hole last year. Victor ran Traveler, and I played Traveler. And at Gary Con, what I play? Did I play any dead games? I ran Spycraft.
1: You played? Didn't you play GCC. at one of the Gary Con games? You You played a Top Secret at one point.
0: Yeah, Chad ran Top Secret. He kind of modified it. Um, so the dead games that I actually have are uh, AD&D first, second, Red Box, Expert. I think is that Holmes Expert. I don't I get them all mixed up. Not a good guy for a podcast mixing up the old D and D editions. Um, and then I have, uh, then then I have like some other ones. Uh, oh, it's fast Star Trek. I have top secret, okay. top secret SI, um, and I don't know. I just um, I don't know why I don't play them. Damn it! I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to I'm just going to take him to work and start playing them.
1: <laughs> why not? <laughs> make your make your job a lot more interesting. Sean, what the do? hell
0: are you doing? I'm rolling up a character. What the hell <laughs> are you fuck doing? Up.
1: Roll up a character, boss. Sit down.
0: Fuck, you'll recruit
1: somebody. I'm busy. I recruit nothing, man. <laughs> I'll take care of this. Care i don't take care of this right now. I don't recruit it. on my ass. Come on, what are you doing?
0: You said metrics and policy. I'm working on metrics. It's just in a different form. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I space out because I'm looking over at my shelf trying to figure out exactly what dead games I have, and I think those the ones that I mentioned are the big ones. And why I'm not playing them, I don't know. Something better, newer, kind of kookier. Like man, I got gamer ADD. Or A, D, D, depending on who you talk to.
1: <laughs> now, I see, the thing for me is I still I still like to play them. Like I, I mentioned back on uh, April 4th on my birthday weekend, I got together with the guys and I pulled out um, Warhammer 1st Edition Fantasy Roleplay. Out of print, dead oh. game. <clears throat> had a hell of a good time playing it. A lot of fun. Um, there, the guys liked to – we had fun with it, and a couple of them said, yeah, whoo, I could see where this one or where the – where this problem was, or they didn't like this aspect of it. Yeah. I could see why we wouldn't want to play that a lot anymore because there, there are better games now. And uh-huh. I don't Yeah. Better. So I think there, <clears throat> I think some of the, the interesting thing to me is that if I take it and I'm going to have to touch on the whole OSR uh, aspect of this thing, but there's something really cool about if I want to play first edition AD and I really want to go back to my roots. I want to play this old, adventure game or whatever, pull out the red box like I did with my kids when I first started playing D&D and some old adventures. <coughs> Excuse me. There's some really cool thing about that feel from the whole old school perspective and everything. And this is something Lenny I, I have talked about is that part of me hesitates on certain game systems that are like, oh, this is old school, but with a new twist or something. And but it it plays like the old game. I have the old game, so I hesitate many times to say, "Oh, so this plays a lot like Redbox, but it uses X instead of Y, or slightly different." I look at it and say, "I have, you know, basic ec- basic expert companion and masters. I don't need that, you know." So that stops me from looking at certain things that are OSRE in nature because I have the dead game that it came from. Well, the one that's trying to emulate or improve or whatever it thinks it's trying to do. And I'm, I'm positive somebody out there is much more hardcore OSR than I am. And um, we'll take umbrage with what I just said. But when I look back on something and say, you know what? That was a lot of fun when I used to play uh, Middle-Earth role-playing. I've got kind of a hankering to run that again at some point. So I started looking through my books. Um, I've got it. It'll be fun. Make up some characters with the guys and off we go. I don't think... I do I want to say this. I don't have a need because I'm a homebrew guy. I don't have a need to have support from the creator publisher for the games I'm running. Quite frankly, if I had the core rule book for a game system and it was fun, I really don't need any splat books. I'm kind of okay nine times out of ten without ever getting splat books. That's where I've reached now. In my gaming hobby career, I just I don't run out and buy the latest Splash book just because it's the latest black book. I just don't care about it
0: yeah, you will single handedly bring down this industry, Brett with that thinking that's all I'm saying
1: I'm fine with that power of the people man
0: what a, <laughs> what a dick
1: yeah, exactly I'm here to fuck up your gaming hobby that's what I'm doing but i don't i mean I do understand where some people like the idea of uh <clears throat> If it's not dead, it's live, right? Of a game system that's currently being published, managed, and new and uh, newer things are coming out and so forth, the latest flavor or latest twist on it. One of the things that hits me, though, with some of the newer games is just the raw burnout. It never ends, right? Uh, we, we both bagged on Pathfinder before from the Pathfinder burnout, not only just from the crunchiness, but just from the sheer volume of books. And D&D 2nd Edition got to that point, and a 3rd, all of them do. In one way or another, for whatever reason, 5E seems to be much slower on that curve um, so far. But a lot of them suffered from that, oh, wow, another splat book, another this, another campaign, another whatever it is. And after a while, that just – it weighs heavy on my pocketbook. And then secondly, it's a bitch when you're trying to – if you're a homebrew person, to have to sort through all these books because your buddy comes with 16 books and says, hey, I bought the latest – 52 of these things, can you take a look through them and, and see what fits? Where if you are playing a dead game, whatever's out is out. That's it. You know, you pick up First Dead AD&D, there's only so many hardcover books, and that's all there is.
0: There's still there's still a good amount of AD&D, so it's not like they just put that out and everything's good.
1: What do you mean? What do you-
0: oh, there's the Dungeoneer Survival Guide, there's an Arthur <laughs> oh, yeah. there's... Uh, what else did I, but there's,
1: there's a limited number of them though. They're not making them anymore.
0: Well, no, not any longer. Yet. Right. But they're not, um, but if you're, but, but they're not making like second edition books either. Correct. Oh, okay. Okay. No,
1: I know. And there's, there's a buddy of mine up in my hometown, uh, Christian Amman, He's one of the, the gents who is the driving force behind Evercon, that my buddies and I go to and help out with. And second edition is his system, man. That's his baby. He loves second edition AD&D. He plays that all the time. And that's where it's at for him.
0: I would be, why does he like it though? What what appeals to him? I mean, okay, hold on.
1: I don't honestly. I haven't had the deep discussion with him yet on it. It's always been, yeah, I really like that system. Okay, cool. And help him out, organize, do this, do that with the kids and whatever. So I haven't sat Christian down and said, what specifically about this do you like in and above any other game system? I haven't had that discussion. Well, with him, and I, so I just,
0: don't know. I just wonder what, why he likes that one if he's played other ones. Yeah, you know, I mean, I maybe, know. maybe he hasn't. Because um, some people just play; they start out on one game, love it, and play it forever, and that's it.
1: That's very true. I know he's played other games, and he likes playing other ones. That's just his baby. Yeah, don't know
0: why. yeah. I don't know. I, it bothers me when I look at it and go, "Why do I need another game?" What I mean, I need another game like a freaking hole in the head. I bring that up all the time, and I still fall victim to it.
1: Yeah, I think some of it for um, some of it for me when it comes to some of the dead games. When I look back on them, and one of the fun things for me is not just the nostalgia trip but taking something that I used to do that was a lot of fun and then tweaking a little bit or coming back and saying you know what we always had fun doing <clears throat> um going off and killing dragons and taking their stuff with the red box you know with Frank Mentzer's edition you know what I really we're not in the mood for anything heavier than that we'd like a very basic D&D type of adventure hey why don't we just pull those out and we'll run a small campaign with that well, and that'll be a good time it'll be just a re- refresher and we'll still have a good time with
0: it you started out that statement saying we used to yeah so it is nostalgia
1: yeah i think you might be right there's a lot some of that in there no, yeah I, you
0: know i am right
1: well i don't, ooh, that hurts i'm right ah, I got oh chest pain. <laughs> chest pain chest pain chest pain <laughs> oh, just, just, just ease up on that, ease Dude, Pull,
0: up on pull that. out your whatever. What is it? <laughs> the crappy, the, the the hypoglycine, nitroglycine. You put <laughs> put under your tongue. You'll be fine.
1: I'll be fine, Susan. Um, the other the other cool thing for me is to pull out a dead game that no one's played in a while, um, because it's kind of like a palate cleanser. Where we'll come through. We've been playing Vampire forever and ever and ever. And I said we're gonna play D anD D. Everyone, we oh, cool. We haven't played that in a long time. This will be fun. Because they really just a massive genre shift. Now, granted, I could have done that with anything, but everybody, it was something that was very accessible to the group. Everybody was well familiar with it, and I was able to jump over to it. And I grabbed a version of it that was out of print at the time.
0: You know, Dead Games is it, uh, well, not Dead Games specifically, but I think there are some games that we grew up with, right? Okay, bear with me. Okay. So I buy the first book I ever bought was the player's handbook player's handbook of first edition AD and D. Okay, cool. And I had that game and we played it and we played it in, you know, if I read the rules, I don't even know if we played it correctly, Qu- quote unquote correctly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anybody who did. Well, all <laughs> right. The first time through.
0: And so I wonder as games come out and we grow older if there are games that appeal to us because it allows us to play the game facilitates what we want out of a game now in our adulthood now i i'm i'm totally pulling this out of my ass right now but you know what i'm saying we we've talked about if you're going to play a game does it facilitate what you're looking for in the game does it you know a spy game does it create if you are playing a suspenseful game, does it create suspense? The rules, yeah. right?
1: If you are a horror game that doesn't, if you have, if you are playing Call of Cthulhu and there is no sanity rating, you are like, really? How is this Call of Cthulhu? Exactly. I need to go crazy. I need to go crazy. So
0: I am wondering: is it goes back to when I talked about it a few episodes ago about how we had our like cartoons, right? Yep. And we thought, oh, those cartoons are great, or that movie was great when I was a kid, and then we watch it when we're adults and we're like, oh my god, I can't even believe I like this thing. Right. So now, now, now I'm wondering, is that crossover to games? I'm pretty sure it
1: does in some respects. To me, the cool thing about dead games, there's a couple of cool pieces of it. One is gamer street cred, if you will. Right. To say, hey, I played this thing. I played Traveler in the original shitty digest rule system that was almost impossible to make a character with. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of, oh, that, that game was hard. It was difficult to figure out and to master. But yeah, we, we maybe we don't play it anymore, but there's something to be said about, or something to be said for having that cred where you've played a lot of games that are older games that are then oftentimes the the backbone or the the place where newer games were inspired through. So that's kind of cool to go back and play the original. But the other piece for me is that I like I like collecting games, so it's it's fun for me to have them. And two, I have – it's easier for me to get a sizable chunk of a Dead Games products so that I can kind of – how do I want to say it. I, I've got a bunch of like Middle Earth role-playing stuff from the old Iron Crown days. I have a bunch of it. Do I have it all? No. Don't need it all. But I have enough of it that I can have a lot of fun with it. I can jump in, grab it. And throw it out and, and play – I could play for years with that system in that world. And I don't really need to go buy the new version of the Lord of the Rings role-playing game system because I already have one that covers that pretty well. But I like having the depth in my collection to be able to go back and someone says, boy, you know what? I really used to have a lot of fun playing this, but no one has it. Oh, I have stopped stop at SI. You want to run that? Oh, you have that? Yeah, shit. I got Star Frontiers, man. You want to go for it? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. So having the depth, maybe it's more of a Brett's being um, just a, a bibliophile bastard here, but I like having the depth of my collection of those older games. So that way, when I feel the urge to play a game like X, I've got it. I could just pull it out and do it. And it's easier to do that to me with some of the dead games than it is with some of the newer ones.
0: Do you remember all the? Do you remember all the rules to those? Um. So, could you whip out? Well, you could whip out Star Frontiers now and just be like, "All right, man, let's roll." Well, that's easy,
1: dude. It's all percentiles. It's not that hard. Oh, is it?
0: I don't know. I never had Star Frontiers.
1: Yeah, Star Frontiers is all percentiles. Is not that bad.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't but know. I,
1: I mean, when I and perhaps this is a horrible topic,
0: and I shouldn't have brought it up. But I look at
1: like you there know, is Michael no
0: Brown. horrible topic.
1: I look at Michael Brown and Colin and the guys from Dead Games that I met through you. And they love those older games that no one else is producing or whatever it is. I think some of the draw is that they are still fun to play. And even for people that have never played it before, my two boys had never played D&D before. So I broke out my my Red Redbox. And they had a hell of a good time playing it. They got it. They understood it. They wanted to try a different version. So I took out First Ed slash Osric stuff. We played that. They liked it, had a good time. Now they're asking me, hey, can I try one of the other editions you have? I want to see which one I like the best. That's cool. I have that depth in my collection where we can pull that stuff out. My boy looked and said, what's that GURPS thing? I explained it to him. Oh, that might be fun to try sometime. We could play like superheroes. Yes, we could. We could totally play superheroes with that sometime.
0: Well, and I would ask them, and uh, I would want to ask them, and like after they try a few, is because so the GURPS thing, they kind of maybe equate that to supers. You know, but
1: I think so based on just the picture on the outside of the one box is where AJ got that.
0: Yeah, but they don't have to play that for supers.
1: No, they do not.
0: Um, so I'd be interested to find out. Um, I I think for them it's curiosity,
1: right? Yes, I I think you're right. For the newer gamers, is curiosity. Um, sometimes the curiosity. Perhaps that's where I was going with my thought around finding out where certain things came from. Right, if you're into the newer horror role-playing games or whatever it is, and you haven't played Call of Cthulhu, come on, it's the granddaddy of horror role-playing games. You should try it.
0: I've played one one game. Oh, I don't even, I don't even like talking one, to you about. And this. it was, and it was at a game hole like day at a local game store. Yeah, that's right. I don't think I've ever. You
1: played Nightmare on Sesame Street though. That was oh, Cthulhu.
0: that well, that was D twenty Call of Cthulhu.
1: True, Different which is a dead game.
0: That's why. That's why. As a matter of fact, that's why Michael from Dead Game Society, runs Call of Cthulhu D20 because that is truly out of print and is not, is not being produced in any way, shape, or form. I think he's skirting the line there myself, but, you know.
1: Perhaps. I think some of it might just be the challenge where it's fun to find these old games that no one's that no one's playing or anything. But you know what the deal is, dude? I mean, you go out there online and start looking around for groups that play Star Frontiers. There's Star, Star Frontiers websites. There's people who are into it. Oh, yeah. People are into Boot Hill, the original Gamma World, you name it, if it was a game and it's out there, somebody somewhere is still loving the hell out of it. Oh, absolutely. <coughs> Guys play um, all sorts. Of, oh, shit, I can't even think of some other ones. But, I mean, people love it, whatever it is. And it's cool. I think sometimes it's the curiosity factor I think is huge on some of the dead games. Like, man, I heard about that. I've never played it. Can I give it a shot? And it's it's cool to be able to have them or have access to them to, to, give, them, to give them a go. And, again, from a collector's perspective, there's an end I, I can grab all of the original white wolf books. I can grab all of the stuff from the first edition, um, uh, role master or whatever it is. Cause there's an end to them. They only made so many of the thing or so many different versions of it. And I'm not running up against, Oh, this year, what are they going to produce? And it's hard to keep up. It's not like you're buying comic books, right?
0: Right. Now I, I listened to a few podcasts and it's funny. Um, when I hear it, and there are podcasts that have probably been around longer than we have, and there'll be a guest on there or a host, co-host, and they'll talk about their um, their gaming experience, and they'll say, "Yeah, I started out with fourth, fourth edition D anD D," which is funny because I'm like, "Wow!" It, it, so it's the time, right? And it's not a knock on them starting with fourth; it's just interesting how things have progressed, and you get younger folks into the game hobby, and they grow. Maybe they didn't grow up with. D&D, or they did, but they're growing up with D&D is 4th edition. Yeah. And I wonder, uh, and then some will say, oh, then I I started with that, but I didn't really like it, and then somebody showed me 1st edition, I love it. Like, 1st edition D&D, D&D, I was like, whoa, crazy, this is awesome. So it's funny to find out people that start out with more modern-day um, games and then try the older ones for whatever reason, whether it's out of curiosity or one of us Gragnards, and I say us Gragnards is the older crew. Um, shows them. Oh, because
1: you- we actually eat frogs. That's why. That's what we're. Is that what that. It is? is that what Gragnards yeah, it's, are? It's, I believe that's a Napoleonic thing where he called them Gragnards, which are frog eaters. Which is old, reliable, <laughs> old, reliable warriors in his army. I believe that's what that means.
0: If you know what Gragnards means, email <laughs> gamingnbs at gmail dot com. I believe it's frog eaters. Anyway. Right. Um, I call people at work grognards. <laughs> <laughs> we've,
1: well, we've got some people who've been there 30 years. I, I, think get, I'm ten I, year,
0: I think I'm 10 years old using a term I don't know the meaning of. Uh, yeah. your daddy says you're a motherfucker. Really? What? what? <laughs> Where got, did you get that from? I, yeah. I got called out on that when I was a kid. I, uh, I won't say it on there. We're explicit, but I don't want to go into that. Mom, right. You don't even know what that means. I'm like, yes, it, yes, I do. It's like uh, the beak of the bird. That's what it is. And it's like, no, that's not <laughs> what it means. I'm like, whoops. whoops. Oh, thanks for enlightening me, Mom. <laughs> now when I'm on now the we, playground, I know what people are talking about.
1: Now I have a new swear. Oh,
0: that's what pecker means. Oh, okay. <laughs> think, oh, man.
1: So anyway, the, the nostalgia candle is strong in a lot of folks, me included, right? It's fun to go back and play some of the old ones, if you've got them. And I think the other piece is that, um, I, <clears throat> and this is, this is me. I don't know if anybody else is going to agree with me or think I'm, or, or try to stone me to death for saying it. But just because it's old or dead or out of print or it's not, <clears throat> it didn't make a real go of it, doesn't mean it's not a good game for you and your group. Right? I mean, Star Frontiers was, is obviously not still around and died a pretty quick death. Boot Hill, not still around, died a pretty quick death. Um, there's a number of those that just didn't last. They may have well been really kick ass games. Over the Edge, there were a couple editions of that by uh, Jonathan Tweet, but they weren't, they didn't take the gaming world by storm. However, when you talk to guys like Robin Laws and Ken Height and you listen to them, and they'll mention Over the Edge, they'll mention some of the original Ars Magica and how that was a really cool thing. They'll talk about <coughs> some of these earlier games, like, oh, so-and-so did this thing, which is kind of crazy, but and now it's it's pretty commonplace. But that first came out when so-and-so did his uh, edition of whatever the game was. So it, there's something, some of those games are fun and they're a hell of a good time, and there's no reason why, just because it's not supported by the gaming publisher or the creator anymore, that you and your gaming group can't grab them and just have a rip-roaring good time about them. The only thing I've ever found that's been kind of a, a downer in a way is when some games are modern, quote unquote, and they were made in the 80s, everything in the books is based on 80s technology. So unless you want to play a historic, which now 80s is historical or 90s is historical, you'd have to, if you want to shift it there, there might be some work for you involved in a modern setting or even some of the sci-fi settings where things like cell phones and such were kind of higher tech. Even back, We have better tech now than they did in some of the, uh, some of the technologies. Technologies described in like some of the earlier Star Frontier stuff, but
0: well, it's like reading uh, Gibson's William Gibson's Neuromancer, and a bank yep. of bank of payphones starts ringing inadvertently. It's like payphones, <laughs> payphones. What the hell's a payphone? Jeez, my nephew has here? a kid that that guy isn't gonna know uh, what a payphone is. Gonna know anything about that, Daddy? What's a payphone? I had to put quarters in it and <laughs> to get time to talk. So, Sean, I mean – so if I'm – let's
1: bring it to this question here. Do you need – when when you want to grab a game like D&D 5e or 4th or 3rd or Pathfinder, does it matter to you when you pick up a game system if it's being supported, it's alive, there's a lot of good activity happening, the publishers are constantly putting out different tools and tricks and tips? Does that matter to you that you get that constant flow of publications on the game that you're playing?
0: No, I don't think it's necessary, but I do uh when I was in Pathfinder I'd be, oh, advanced advanced player guide. What's this about? Oh, f- four new classes and a few different races and a few different more feats. And I don't think even unearthed arcana came out and I thought it was a great book. I love that book. Um when it came out it it gave us some more classes and um some different types of rules. And it was one of the ones that I'd always carry around with me as a player. Well, one because it was a player-based book, but I don't think. I mean, I think if Five E is released, and I don't buy another Five E book, I I don't think I'll lose any sleep over it. I don't need. I don't need the Splat books. You know what? I think it's in moderation. Honestly, I I don't mind a little. Hey, check this out or check that out because we've released. Sp- something in there that maybe the community has I wouldn't say demanded but there is a there is a demand or inquiries into tweaking something or, or adding to the game for whatever reason for whatever that is and many people will be like oh I've been doing that like the Unearthed Arcana I'm sure that there are people that were oh, I had a Cavalier or I had this class and I had these different spells before even Unearthed Arcana was out
1: Well, Dragon Magazine had tons of different NPC classes and different bits and pieces and race options, and there's always stuff being produced. And now I look at it for 5e or even a new game, (laughs) Blades in the Dark, right? I got in on that Kickstarter like I talked about a while back. I'm in the Google Plus community for Blades in the Dark. There's a fuck ton of mods going on for that thing right now. In that community, I'm, God, like 80 posts behind because I just can't keep up with the raw action that's happening there. Hey, I ran this from the quick start rules. We tweaked this. We did this. Hey, here's a mock-up of this. Here's a way to do this. I mean, it's more active now. And that's why I say even if you were to grab um, an, an old game like my Middle Earth role-playing, the the Merp one from Iron Crown, go back to that. If I were to grab that and say, hey, who out there is doing this? There's a Google Plus community on it. There are websites dedicated to it. There are blog posts on it. People are hacking, changing, doing all sorts of stuff. They're taking all their homebrew, home rules, variations, and throwing it out there. So that type of stuff, I think, is always available. But the official published stuff isn't. And I guess I totally stomped on you there. But I, what you're saying is that you, Sean, don't necessarily need the official published stuff anymore. No. No,
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. Um, no, I don't. Uh, unless it really creates a dynamic for the game for whatever reason. Maybe it's uh, hey kingdom building in Five E, and here's a whole book dedicated to it and how you can build kingdoms. Something that is probably more of a whole wholly owned sub. Uh, how do I put it? Like a uh, a wholly individually uh, individual book that complements the game you're playing and not where you would need it but it would be maybe nice to have but I don't know if that is a good model for some publishers to pursue because maybe they don't sell a ton of them and it's it's not necessary um, to have to play the game and I don't think a lot of supplements are necessary to play the game but mm-hmm. if you are cranking out splat books with different classes, I don't know if my group or people I'd run with need to have 30 different prestige classes. Maybe one comes out. I don't know. There's one or
1: two that are nice or a couple tweaks. I think
0: here's how I can define that. So when you get a game like a traditional role-playing game, we'll say D&D. You have the classes and levels and spells and things of that nature. And when three O came out, 3.0 is a pretty good example because it came out with a butt-ton of books. And the ones that I liked the, to have as my kind of core library for three O is Monster Manual 1, DMG Player's Handbook, okay, the core books. And then anything to complement those would well, be the Magic Item Book and the Spell Compendium. If I had those five books, because the spell compendium, you know, it's not really a great example, because you have the the base amount of spells in in the core players handbook. But I don't need another book that's like the players handbook. I guess is what I'm saying. So I think you don't need a
1: players handbook too.
0: I don't need a players handbook too. Although the classes in there might be kind of interesting. And if a player is in my campaign and they buy the second player's handbook or the advanced player's guide or game supplement, whatever it's titled and has some of the same things and they want to kind of delve into that stuff because they find it interesting to themselves, hey, that's great. That's not a problem. I don't find it necessarily to do to, to buy that and incorporate it into the game. Okay.
1: So to me, one of the other – when we're talking about buying and incorporating stuff it makes me think of this one of the cool things for me with some of the dead games that I own is going through some of the old um adventure concepts storylines worlds nPCs plot hooks all that stuff that came with some of those old worlds or um old adventure modules and different things for for a number of different com uh, number of different games that I've got I don't have any issue. I know most Game Masters don't, quite frankly. If you're worth your salt, that's not that hard. You could take anything, any of the adventures that have been published or any of the world settings and tweak them, change them a little bit, grab a personality, grab a monster or whatever it is. And you can port that over to whatever game you happen to be playing. So it's fun for me to grab stuff from the Warhammer Fantasy game system. You know, kind of punch through it and say, hey, here's a really good idea on a chaos god or some cool thing on demons or whatever it is. Grab that, port that over to um, a sci-fi game or a horror game or taking a Call of Cthulhu storyline and pushing it into a a murder mystery game like I did with my Murder City campaign. Excuse me. So the other piece for me with Dead Games is some of that – gaming knowledge, the gaming wisdom is buried within all those books and those old tomes. I've got my musty old tomes. I want to be able to dig it out, crack through it, because some of that stuff hasn't seen the light of day for my gaming group in a very, very, very long time. I'm talking decades. So if I pull it out, it's kind of like the old fiend folio. You know, when I started pulling out old monsters from that for um, third edition, before they had started to, uh, to retro some of those, or I shouldn't say retro, to uh, modernize them. The guys are like, what? What the hell is this? Oh, my God. It's a Sons of kayaks a fucking undead with the worms popping out of their heads and they're burrowing into your skin. Holy shit, I haven't seen one of those in forever. So that was cool, you know, digging through that and finding this old gem and then dragging it forward and freaking people out with it. That's the other reason I really like some of the, the dead games is because they're not as popular. And some of the bits and pieces buried within it, I just mine them, read through them, pull out the really good stuff. Either be an alternate rule, different class. Or a monster, or a plot hook, or something along those lines.
0: All right, man. There you have that's good, it. That's good stuff. It is good stuff. Let's move on to die roll. If you are playing a uh, dead game, let us know what it is and why you play it, and what your thoughts are. <clears throat> Absolutely,
1: I could be. It could just be, you know, I don't know. I, I've got an, a. I'm a bibliophile, man. So maybe it's just my uh, romantic love of the older stuff. But there's something. There's something cool about it.
0: All right, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points gaming and geekery we want to share with you, the listener, Brett.
1: Yes, my first one. So last Friday, Sean uh, allowed me to play in his 5e game. It was a lot of fun. My buddy Kevin and Austin, two other guys I game with, we are in on it. And uh, we used Roll20. I know it's not new to a lot of people. It's old news to a lot of folks. I'd never done it before. I'd never used the game that engine to help run the game over uh, on, online at all, it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time with it. I thought Sean had a shit together, and the way the players interacted, the different tools we had, it was a lot of fun. I got to, you know, jab at Sean a little bit too, which is always fun. But um, we moved the plot along, got some cool stuff in, got some fights in. I was kind of curious how the different components would work. The die rolling was a breeze. I liked it, so... I'm looking forward to the next one. I want to get some more experience with it. I really liked it.
0: You heard it. You heard it here. I had my stuff together. Brett admitted it. It is now recorded and set into the archives.
1: Oh, that right. no, that pain is back. Ah, getting a nitro pill or something. The other one is the uh, this just in from GenCon. That Kickstarter has a few days left. I think by the time this drops, will be in the ten days left type of perspective. Take a look at it. If uh, you're in- interested in hearing what those folks have to say during Gen Con this year, throw them a few shackles. See if we can get those guys off the ground.
0: Yeah, and I want, I want, a, I want an announcement for Gaming and BS during the Gen Con episodes. So if I have to pay money, you guys, let me know what it is. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and if it's like a million dollars, uh well, might you be know, outside with- my budget.
1: With Chris from Misdirected Mark doing the audio tweaking on that, maybe we could slip Chris a couple shuckles on the side and get a little mix of our stuff right in on top of it, and, and they'll never be the wiser.
0: And we and Wayne Humphrey is behind that uh, movement, and uh, well, I mean we he he is named after our little creature, so you never know. It's <laughs> all who you know, right?
1: It absolutely is who you know. Okay, the other one I want to talk about is uh, Mike Rigsby. Mike, dude, you're awesome. And I'm saying this because I was talking a while back, and I mentioned this before, where Mike had gone, and he saw me asking or trying to find the Rogue Brewery's um, uh, Hellboy Beer, uh, the Red Hand of Doom Ale.
0: Probably tastes like
1: pee. It it might don't care. I want it. (laughs) And anyway, so I'm like, oh, I can't find it anywhere. Mike went out and said, yeah, I live out in Oregon where the brewery is. I tried, dude. I couldn't find it. Yesterday, I'm out riding motorcycle with Sean. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Look at this. He found two bottles. And he got a hold of me, and he's going to ship them to me. So, Mike, thank you, sir. I hope they taste good. <laughs> found <laughs> That's just on- what Mike said. He's like, God, I hope they taste good. It's worth it. Just <laughs> hope it's worth it.
0: Found them on the side of the road and decided, hey, these will send to Brett.
1: <laughs> They've been sitting on the dashboard of somebody's car for the past three weeks, getting warm and cold and warm and cold. Swil- good for beer. Swill. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. If it kills me, I'll die happy. It's all right. Sean you're up, man.
0: Savage Worlds Web Tools. The tools available here at this time are Dice Roller, Raise Calculator, Extra Database, Character Creator, and Mass Battles. Link in the show notes. If you're playing Savage Worlds, check it out. Cool. Cast cast the heroes for Marvel Civil War. They say it's yeah. the biggest, baddest cast the superheroes to ever be on the big screen which includes so Captain America's movie which is I think scheduled for 2016 is going to include Captain America uh, Black Widow who are all these guys I don't even got know got the one.
1: Vision he's got Black Panther he's got Iron Man War Machine Scarlet Witch um, Hawkeye the Vision Jesus Christ Vision I think I mentioned him and Ant-Man He's got Bucky, Winter Soldier, Ant Man, Ant Man. There's a. I like my comic books and I like my comic book movies, but I don't know. Lately, I've just not been in the comic book movie mood. I've seen a lot of cool stuff, like yeah. Uh, I just haven't had the urge to. I know this is totally treading on my – maybe I am getting older. <laughs> I'm knocking on my uh, my own geek right here. But I just – the the new uh, Avengers movie, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll see it eventually. But I just haven't rushed – haven't had the urge to rush out and see it in the theater. I'm not sure why.
0: Yeah, and I'm not a comic book guy, but and that's the funny thing is they like release these and it's like whoa cool, and I go I don't even know half of these like I don't know
1: half these characters, but fucking looks awesome. General
0: General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross and Everett K Ross and Crossbones and man I don't know any of these. Hey, if it's a good movie and it's super, it's good
1: and it's fun. I'm in comic
0: booky man, bring it, bring it,
1: cool. Nah. Are we done? I think we should wrap this up.
0: Yeah. Doo, doo, cool. Doo. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Whew. If you are playing dead games or you want to comment on this episode, it'll be at nbs forward slash 035. Leave a comment in the notes. We'll have it up on YouTube Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Google+. If you want other people to find it, share it with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, share it along, by all means. You never know. And if they listen to us and they don't care for us, hey, that's cool. They could just can it, and that's all right. But nonetheless, Keep I Keep the
1: feedback coming. Keep the feedback coming, folks.
0: I am your co-host, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all.